Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode is brought to you by Kindle. Great spellers come from great readers. That's why Kindle is the proud presenting sponsor of the 2017 Scripps National Spelling Bee. A single-purpose Kindle e-reader holds thousands of books, ensuring young readers always have a book with them. Features like WordWise support comprehension and vocabulary development, while Kindle Free Time awards achievement badges for reaching reading milestones. To learn more about the ways Kindle inspires a child's emerging love of reading, visit Amazon.com slash Kindle for Kids. Listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 107, and today we are talking about books released on May 16th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi. We're recording on time today. Yeah. On our normal day. So weird. <laughs> I'm back from vacation. Yes. We had we both had exciting um, adventures this past few days. We did. Mm-hmm. What did you, you do? Uh, there were baby squirrels at my house. Oh, what? Yeah. It's the best thing that has ever happened to me. A squirrel? The other day I looked outside and on the ground were these two little tiny squirrels that were like half the size of their tails. Mm-hmm. And they are so cute. It's all oh. I've been watching. Like, it's like paper vision, but like, it's with squirrels. So I pay rent on the house and I watch squirrels. That's amazing. Um, they're so small and just amazing. And I've taken 800 million photos of them. And you got to see babies too. I did. I got to see baby goats. So <laughs> many baby goats. Um, if you like baby animals, I recommend a peek at my Instagram feed. My handle there is also Rebecca Shinsky. Um, but I went to visit a good friend who lives in Vermont. And she and her husband have a bunch of dogs and cats and a Nubian goat, which is a very large kind of goat. Uh, and his partner died. His partner goat died a year or so ago. And they are pretty sure that he's been lonely. So as a gift to him and also to their daughters, they were going to acquire two baby goats uh, from some friends who raise Nubian goats. And I was lucky enough that our visit coincided with Goat Acquisition Day. (laughs) So um, Bob and I and our friends and their two daughters loaded up into their minivan and drove into rural Vermont uh, to get baby goats. And it was amazing. (laughs) Like uh, We got there and they had the barn door closed and uh, the farmer, Brad Kessler, said, uh, so let, let's, we're going to open the door. We'll let the babies out. And I was expecting like four baby goats and like 15 baby goats, like 12 week old baby goats came tumbling out of this barn door. It was like a clown car of baby goats. It was the most delightful thing that I have. I like, I'm pretty sure that that was peak delight. I have never been more delighted than that in my entire life. Um, yeah. so we, we played with all the baby goats. We got to bottle feed them. And then two of the goats named Pearl and Otis came home. 
uh, with my friends, the Bergmans. So I spent the week with baby goats and we went to visit another friend who has a fiber farm and I held a puppy and played with some alpacas. <laughs> and like I smelled pretty bad all week long between all the animals and all the hiking, but I, it was a really solid week of New England nature. <laughs> It's pretty cool around here. It is. I thought about you because, I mean, we were, I was like four hours from you, I think. Yes. Um, So not quite the same. It doesn't, like, I was in the middle of Vermont. It's not that, like, coastal feeling. But New England is, it is a totally different feeling from where I live in the south. We hiked to a waterfall that had these, like, the rocks that the water was coming down where I think they're called pancake rocks, where all of the rocks are flat. It looks like stacks of flat, thin rocks. And I've never been to a waterfall like that because everything here in the Shenandoah mountains is like giant boulders um, or just things that have been eroded away into sort of a smooth foresty waterfall. It was very cool. I had encounters with nature. I predictably read a bunch of Mary Oliver. It was excellent. (laughs) That's awesome. And a squirrel almost got into my house one day last week. What? Yeah, we leave our back door propped open in the mornings so that when we're like drinking coffee and waking up, Millie can come and go without bothering us. And I heard this skittering that did not sound like the birds that usually just hang out outside our house. It was a squirrel, like a grown-up squirrel, um, running across the gutters. And then it attached itself to the top of the back door. And I like jumped up and closed the back door before the squirrel could get in the house. It wanted some coffee. <laughs> I know. They must have like sent out a squirrel dispatch about, you know, coming to visit the well redheads. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, there were these, there were the two little baby squirrels there the other day. They're so funny. They were like eating and this big squirrel started to approach them, and they started making, like, these little barking sounds like <laughs> the big squirrel, and he ran away. But then, like, ten minutes later, he came back with reinforcements, and there were, like, four giant squirrels. Squirrel posse. And the babies were like, we know when we're outnumbered, and we're going to be beat, so they took off. But they came back later. They were oh, so cute. man. You know, we better talk about some books this week. We're going to do... Can we just talk about baby animals? Well, we, we're going to change this podcast to all the puppies. Yeah, uh, all the babies. Yes, and baby animals to be specific. Yes, yes baby animals. <laughs> um, but this week we're going to do something a little bit different. Since Father's Day and graduation are rolling up, we're going to uh, sort of focus our recommendations around books that are good for dads and graduates. And a couple of mine are new releases. You're picking um, a variety of things. So we're not going to hew terribly close to like the traditional dads or grads books. No one here is recommending, oh, the places you'll go. Uh, But that's our theme this week. So there won't be quite as many new books in the show, but you can subscribe to Liberty's New Books newsletter through Book Riot to get a big old list of new books. This is a good week. There are so many. It was really hard for me to narrow it down. Like for the newsletter, I was like, Okay, well, kick us Just off here with your, with your first pick. Well, so for everyone, I want to recommend, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, but this weekend I recommended it to three different people and they all went out and bought it because I just, I can't stop talking about this book. And it's so good. It's called The Skies Belong to Us, Love and Terror in the, a- in the Golden Age of Hijacking by Brendan Kerner. And like I said, I think I've mentioned it on the show, mm-hmm. but let's talk about it again because this book was the most... Turn to the person next to you and say, oh my goodness, did you know book that I have ever read? Like, just could not stop spouting off facts to everyone near me, around me, on the internet, like all over the place. And it's about the f- uh, the golden age of hijacking, if you want to call it that. Um, did you know that, like, for the first few decades of commercial flight, they didn't really have security. Like, 
you didn't get patted down. You didn't have to go through a metal detector. They didn't really rifle through your luggage all that much. So people could just get on planes. Like, no, like, no problem. And this was just how people were used to traveling. But then, in the late 60s, uh, people started hijacking planes. Mostly they started out uh, in protest to the Vietnam War. And someone would say, look, I have a gun, or they had a gun, and they would say, I'm going to, you know, shoot these people if you don't, you know, take me to Cuba. I want to go to Cuba. I'm protesting. And this happened so often that, like, Fidel Castro was like, yes, come to Cuba, bring me your plane. More often than not, he would keep the plane. And then these people were like, yes, I'm going to go live in Cuba, and it's going to be great, and I don't have to fight in a war. And then he would put them in prison, and they would never be heard from again. But because you didn't have the internet or, you know, texting, people didn't know this in the States. This this part of it wasn't getting back to them. Like, don't go to Cuba. So they just thought it was great. They were just going to take a plane and go to Cuba. And so this went on for a while. And it happened so frequently that, that the president, like, Nixon addressed the nation about it, like skyjackings, because it was just going on. But then one day, somebody had the idea to do it for money. Like, he was like, I'm going to blow up this plane if you don't give me this much money. Oh, the, the old ransom. Yeah. Now, the government, up until then, had been like, mm, okay, the airline loses a plane, it goes to Cuba, whatever, we don't really care. But now that they were like, give us all this money out of a bank, they're like, okay, we're, we're not going to stand for that. They put, started putting armed marshals on the planes. This is around the time when D.B. Cooper, the whole D.B. Cooper thing happened, you know, the guy that mm-hmm. nobody knows who he was, he jumped out of a plane with all the money, no one ever saw him again. Um, so they started doing, like, pat-downs, and they put metal detectors at the airport. Like, custodians at airports were finding guns, bombs, acid, poison in the trash, because people would get, go to get in line and be like, whoa, metal detector, and, like, empty their pockets. <laughs> there goes my plan for the day. Yeah. Like, they seriously, this was how often it was happening. I, I don't know if I already said this, but it was, like, uh, in 1968, it was happening, like, once a week, at That's least. That's just so crazy. So... The story revolving around this is about the longest distance hijacking in American history. There was this couple, Roger Holder and Kathy Kirkow, and they decided to hijack a plane because they were, you know, protesting and also just kind of nutty in general. And I'm not going to spoil the ending to their story, but their their story, like, weaves in and out of the narrative. I mean, like, about all these crazy things that happened on planes. Um, like, the chef, the guy who played the chef on Bonanza, was, like, shot in a skyjacking... Like, he, he was okay. But, I mean, just, like, weird stuff that you never heard. And you're like, what? What is going on? Um, it's the most bonkers book I've probably read in forever. Again, it's called The Skies Belong to Us, Love and Terror in the Golden Age of Hijacking by Brendan Curter. Every time you talk about that, I'm like, how come I haven't read this book yet? Yes, I know. Three people. I got three people to read it this weekend, so. That, uh, like, no security thing still exists in parts of New Zealand. When we were there last year, we were in this um, small town called Rotorua, and the airport is, like, the size of my living room, and no one even checks your ID. You just, like, print out your ticket. (laughs) That's amazing. And get on a plane. And also, you can fly with five liters of alcohol. (laughs) Like, there's no liquids. What about the pilot? Can he fly with five liters of alcohol? I mean, that's probably more Australian than it is <laughs> in New Zealand. But it was so wild how tight our security is here. I mean, for good reasons, but like... Yes, for a good being, reason. Being like, who do I have to show things to? And the answer is like, no one. Yeah, that we, you and I never lived in a time where you didn't have to go through security at an airport. Right, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Um, my first pick this week 
could not be really any different, uh, <laughs> any more different from that. Uh, it is a new release this week. I think it also works well as a book for, I'll say, college graduate aged people. Uh, but maybe high schoolers that are reading uh, like a lot of adult fiction uh, or dads who like fun contemporary fiction. It's called The Awkward Age. It's a novel by Francesca Siegel. Uh, this is super fun, uh, but also very weighty. It's about a couple named James and Julia. They're both uh, in middle age, raising teenage children. Julia's uh, former husband died and James is divorced. And I think, you know, kind of both of them never really thought that they would find love again. Julia had definitely given up on that. Um, She's British. They live in London. James is an obstetrician from Boston uh, who is living there as well. They have met and fallen in love and decided to merge their households. So they're kind of doing the Brady Bunch. James uh, and his 17-year-old son, Nathan, move into Julia's home with her and her teenage daughter, Gwen, who is just a little bit younger. And the teenagers, predictably, are not so happy that their parents are in love with each other and aren't giving them enough attention. And they find comfort in each other's arms, uh, which is, as you can imagine, quite problematic. They're not related, but their parents are together, and they all live in the same household, and they're teenagers, and relationships are mercurial, and this is all very complicated. And James and Julia see this as the two kids basically trying to sabotage their relationship. Like, what is the one thing we could do to make sure that our parents can't stay together or at least can't continue living together? I know we'll start making out. Uh, It's bonkers. Uh, But you kind of understand it because you get into the kids' heads as well. The um, narration moves between James and Julia and Gwen and Nathan, but also some of the extended family members. Julia's in-laws from her first marriage are still very present in her life, and they are really interesting characters. And there are some very challenging consequences of Gwen and Nathan getting together. In addition to just that, it really upsets their parents. The whole family life gets thrown into turmoil and the book moves very quickly. Um, This is a really fun read. I read it like I just sat on my couch all day Saturday because it was raining here and I read this in one long Saturday sitting and it was like exactly the kind of novel that I just want to read in one sitting. It would be great for the beach. There's a lot to chew on if your book club is looking for a fun book. It felt kind of in the Emma Straub vein to me, and I can see that she blurbed it, so that makes me feel solid about uh, drawing those connections as well. But a big group of interesting family members with their, you know, all of their own individual problems, but also trying to figure out how to make the new things that they want for their families work. Uh, so it's The Awkward Age. It's a novel by Francesca Siegel, and it came out today. I have no segue for our first concert. <laughs> yeah, nothing is going to flow no, on this episode. Everything's all that's over fine. the place today, but that's okay. Our first sponsor is The Battle Mage. It is the third book in the Summoner series by Taryn Matharu, and it's about Fletcher. He was a blacksmith's apprentice, and he finds out that he can summon demons, but can he win a war? The action-packed, best-selling summoner series continues with The Battle Mage, and it's you can start reading it from the beginning because The Novice is only $2.99 for a limited time. And they say if you love the summoner series, then you should. it's perfect for fans of Brandon Maul, James Dashner, Sarah J. Maas, and Marie Liu. And you can check out more on Fierce Reads. They're, it's just Fierce Reads at Twitter. And we thank them for sponsoring. Yeah, we'll have a link in the show notes. Yes, and that part. I always forget to say that part. I know. I feel like it it needs to be noted in all of our show notes that we <laughs> that we're working from. Like, also remember, <laughs> remember to say that. 
I'll just write you... it on my forehead because that should help me remember. <laughs> Jeff actually has like a post-it note of things that he tries to remember for each podcast that he – or like a piece of computer paper or something that he flips over onto the front of his laptop screen when we're recording the Book Riot show. They're, they're like – they're like notes from his partner, aren't they? They are. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, stop saying like, this word. Or don't interrupt like Rebecca. That's, that's very clever. I like it. I know. It's a good solution. All Speaking right. of very clever, oh, hey I've been patiently, patiently, not so patiently waiting to talk about this next book. Now, everybody always talks about people graduating from high school and college, but don't forget, you have to make the big leap from elementary school to middle school yes. and middle school to high school. And this next book, which is out today, is the perfect book for someone graduating from elementary school to middle school. It's called York, the Shadow Cipher by Laura Ruby. You might recognize her name because she published Bone Gap, which was an award-winning YA novel a couple of years ago. This is completely different, and I love it so, 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 so much. I'm so excited to tell you about it. It's the first book in a new series, and like I said, it's for middle grade readers, but it's perfect for everyone who likes fun. It's a sort of puzzle novel set in an alternative New York City. It starts off in the 19th century. The story goes that there were these twins, a, a boy and a girl, who moved to New York City, and they grew up, they're called the Morningstar Twins, they grew up to be these crazy smart inventors, and they sort of changed the face of New York City. They built towers, and gadgets, and trains, and robots, and... They were wildly famous and successful and rich and, and generous. And suddenly, in the mid-1800s, they disappeared. Like, nobody knows what happened to them. Nobody knows what? where they went. But they left a clue in the paper. And it says, you know, if you can solve this clue, you can get, you know, this wild, you know, treasure beyond your wildest imagination. And on top of that, they also left all of their buildings to the city. Like, they were now the property of the city. So... Time goes by. Everyone's trying to solve this cipher. Nobody can figure it out. Like, no one can... They can get, like, a couple steps, but nobody can figure out... Like, no one's ever done it. Meanwhile, like, some of the buildings are falling apart. Some have been torn down. But some of them still exist. And living in one of the Morningstar Twins buildings that still exists are the twins Tess and Theo Biederman. Their father... Their, uh, excuse me, grandfather, Ben, is a famous Morningstar cipherist. Like, he's been working his whole life to try and decipher the code. And he's never had any success, but that's that's his whole job. And so they know a lot about the Morningstar twins. And one day, they get a notice that everyone in the building is being evicted. New York City has sold all of the Morningstar twin buildings to this real estate developer. He's very um, sort of unpleasant, and he's famous mostly just for being rich, and he's just a real unlikable bag of hot air with silly hair. Um, I can't imagine where Laura Ruby got the idea for this character. But <laughs> they join up with their friend Jaime, whose grandmother is the building's maintenance person, and they set out to solve the, the cipher. They've decided, like, the only way we're going to get to keep our building is if we can figure out, you know, how to get this treasure. And this book is so much fun. It's so imaginative. Like I said, it's set in, like, this alternate New York City, sort of like a steampunk version of New York. Oh, cool. And there's, like, above-ground rail cars, and there's robot helpers, and there's airships. And instead of, like, the Statue of Liberty, you have Liberty Statue, which showed up before the Civil War instead of after the Civil War. 
It's and it's like a modern day Westing game, and I do not say that lightly because the Westing game is one of my very favorite books, and uh, there's nothing that comes close until now. I've read I read this, and I think it's a great comparison. It's sort of a steampunky episode of the Bloodhound Gang, like if you like Rebecca Stead mm. or E.L. Konigsberg, or if you like fun, you know this is a perfect book, and it's perfect for kids starting out on their new adventure. Again, it's called York. The Shadow Cipher by Laura Ruby. Oh, you set me up so nicely with adventure. Yay! So my next pick, also a new book out this week, is called The Push, A Climber's Journey of Endurance, Risk, and Going Beyond the Limits. It's by Tommy Caldwell, who is arguably, or maybe not arguably at all, because he's super accomplished, um, the best uh, rock climber uh, of the modern day. He was the first person to free climb the Dawn Wall of Yosemite's El Capitan, which is a huge deal. He did that on January 14th of 2015. It's widely regarded as the hardest climb in history. Um, it's a nearly in, like straight vertical 3,000 feet, um, and it took him 19 days to do. Uh, the book begins when he is a kid. His dad is an avid climber and a mountain guide, and Tommy is like small for his age and nerdy and just doesn't have much confidence and doesn't fit in and his father um, gets him into climbing and he this is how he finds himself um, in figuring out you know how to make his body do these incredible things and then discovers that he's really very good at this work it's hard physical work but it's also hard mental work and he makes a name for himself as a, a relatively as a very young man um, coming up figuring out how to climb these really difficult climbs or scale them, send them. He used, there's a bunch of interesting, like I learned a bunch of climber lingo uh, in the book. And there's all sorts of politics between the different schools of climbing, like whether you're aid climbing using, uh, you know, ropes and hooks and other stuff that they secure into the mountains that they're climbing, or if you're free climbing without any aid, or if you have a partner or not, there's all these sort of like conflicts between different schools of climbing. And he writes about about those and instead of trying to take one school and make it his own, really trying to learn about like take the best pieces of each one and build them into his own style. And the book chronicles a bunch of the climbs that he did, but also it's a coming of age memoir and about how he met his wife, who is also a climber a really accomplished climber in her own right. They were in Kyrgyzstan once um, several years back on a climb that she was sponsored on for the North Face. And the two of them, along with two other climbers that they were traveling with, got abducted um, and like spent a couple of days in captivity with these abductors that in order to escape, uh, he, Tommy had to push one of them off the wall like that they were climbing and thought that he had killed the man. Um, it turned out like months later that the man had fallen from a huge height uh, by had not actually died and like this is just a like th this book in many ways is a tale of overcoming just almost unimaginable obstacles of both the physical and mental and in some ways life-threatening varieties uh, if you I think if you like sports memoirs or if you're shopping for a, this is a good dad book perhaps um for uh, a sports memoir for overcoming challenges. For the overcoming challenges respect, I also think this works well for graduates. So this is kind of a one-two punch of um, what do you do after you have a really difficult experience like getting abducted in Kyrgyzstan? How do you get back on the wall? How do you keep climbing? Um, and lots of good life lessons buried in there as well. I found it really inspiring. I love learning about a thing I knew nothing about. I, I know bupkis about wall climbing uh, or rock climbing, and it was fascinating uh, to 
learn about that and to learn about how a person becomes the best climber in the world. Um, really fascinating. He's so he's motivating and humble. And uh, I would I I read this in print, but I would think if you're looking at audio that this would probably be great on audio as well. So it's The Push by Tommy Caldwell. I have a segue. You do? Yes. I have the perfect book for dads and grads if you want to learn about lots of things that you know nothing about. Oh. It is Atlas Obscura, An Explorer's Guide to the World's Hidden Wonders, compiled by Joshua Ford, Dylan Thuris, and Ella Morton. Now, I worked as a bookseller for almost 10 years, and even though I don't physically stand in a store anymore... I still have some of of my talents from back then, and I correctly predicted that when this book came out at the end of September, it would be impossible to find at Christmas. And I was right, which Mm -hmm. I just said because I said I correctly predicted. Anyway, um, (laughs) it's it's so beautiful, and now you know there's lots more copies available. It's perfect for graduation or Father's Day. It's sort of atlas of obscure and fascinating places to visit all over the world, both natural wonders and man-made wonders. And it sort of takes people off the beaten path where you can go to such places as the Gopher Hole Museum in Alberta, Canada, (laughs) the Door to Hell in Turkmenistan, the Reign of Fish in Honduras, and the National Museum of Funeral History in Texas. All these wild, crazy places. I looked up Virginia for you. And they have the Blackfriars Playhouse, the Great Stalactite Organ, and the CIA Museum in Langley. Like These are their recommendations for Virginia. Have you ever been to any of those? I have not. Well, see, now you can. Now <laughs> oh you wait, know no, the Great more. Pipe Organ. I have. It's it looks in, insane. There's like an illustration yeah. of like an organ sitting yes. in the middle of these rocks. I have been there. I it's not like listed that way on tourism things, so it took me a minute to recognize. But it's in Luray Caverns, which is in the Shenandoah Valley. It's like an hour and a half from my house, and the caverns are like 140 million years old. It's one of the oldest and largest cave systems in the U.S. It's beautiful. And they're, they do have an organ made out of still, it's out of stalactites. It's crazy. It's great. It's very cool. Well, good. See, you've already checked off one. But yeah. there are like thousands of crazy places like that in this book. It's beautiful. It's a little bit bigger than a hardcover, but it's not like that annoying coffee table size. And it's got tons of photos, illustrations, all kinds of cool stuff to look at and go, whoa, where is that? Again, it's called Atlas Obscura, an explorer's guide to the world's hidden wonders. Awesome. I'm going to have to go visit those other Virginia destinations. I'm pretty sure... I want to go to the CIA Museum. Yes. Let's go there. Well, if you come visit this summer and you Amanda takes you to see a bunch of Civil War history, I can take you to see the giant cave pipe organ and the CIA Museum. Awesome. And then can we take a road trip, all of us, and go see the body farm in Tennessee? (laughs) Maybe. You're like, no. (laughs) It's kind of far. I don't know if I want to go to a body farm in the middle of the summer in the south. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. I'd still totally go. Let me tell you about our next sponsor. How about that? Okay. (laughs) Um, Grand Central is back this week with their um, instant book club sweepstakes. So how this works is you're going to enter for a chance to win 10 copies of one of the titles that's listed below for your book club. Seven lucky winners, one per title, will each get 10 copies of one of these books to share with their book club. Here are the seven titles that you could win. Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, which Liberty loves. Uh, The Devil and Webster by Jean Hanf Korolitz, The Excellent Lombards by Jane Hamilton, 
Before the Fall by Noah Hawley, Small Hours by Jennifer Kitsis, Mr. Rochester by Sarah Shoemaker, or The Secret Diary of Hendrick Groen by Hendrick Groen. So again, seven lucky winners, one per title, will get 10 copies of that title to share with their book club. So really, it is an instant book club win. And you'll get to download a free discussion guide for happy reading with your club. There's no purchase necessary. The entries are open through May 30th, and there are some official rules that apply. So we will have a link to this in the show notes so that you can enter the Grand Central Publishing Instant Book Club Sweepstakes. All right, here's where I'm going to go like deep into my personal reading archive. We're talking like seven or eight years old. Um, my next pick is How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe, which <laughs> is a – I know, I love this book. It's a novel by Charles Yu, uh, and I'm – having to really stretch myself. Um, But the world of the book um, is set in Minor Universe 31. And it's just normal in the world of the book for people to use time machines to go back and try to change the past. Um, The main character of the book, like the author, is named Charles Yu. He's a time travel technician. He gets in and tries to help save people from themselves. So uh, like, Literally. Um, his mother, he, he visits his mother, he searches for his father who invented time travel and then vanished. And the key to locating his father might be found in the book. So the book is about time travel, but it's really about this father-son relationship. And it's one of the most interesting examinations of a complicated father-son relationship that I've come across in fiction. The like the complexity of the mother-daughter dynamic gets a lot of action in fiction, and you don't see as much, or at least I don't think there's nearly as much going on in fiction with fathers and sons. Um, so I definitely, definitely recommend this for your dad who likes science fiction, but who it doesn't need to be straight sci-fi. He's willing to like get in there and wrestle with some personal dynamic stuff too. It's a really fun read. Charles Yu, I think, is one of the like consistently underappreciated authors of our time. He's so interesting and fun and smart. Uh, he's also one of the story writers for the HBO show Westworld, um, which gives you some idea if you watch the show of like how wacky and interesting his brain can be. So again, the book is How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe. It's a novel by Charles Yu. He stole my only my only tidbit of information. I was like, I just found out that he's a story writer oh, on Westworld. Yeah, he's so great. And Westworld no was interesting. I've never seen it, but the hair is amazing. Yeah, it's really, there's lots of layers to that, to the world there. And you can see how he might have had an influence on that. I really love How to Live Safely. Yeah, it's so, I can't believe it's been so long since it came out. I know. I really thought it was more recent than that, but I think it even predates Book Riot. Yeah, I which think so. it's hard for me to remember that things <laughs> that like I read books and did things before Book Riot. Me too. <laughs> My last pick is a novel, and if it's perfect for people who like literary fiction, but also like science fiction without too much science fiction in it. And I have talked about this before. It's one of the best books of the year, for sure. It's Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. And it's so fantastic. So, so good. Uh, It's about a couple named Nadia and Saeed. They live in this sort of unnamed country. Um, It's on the brink of civil war. And Nadia is a very independent woman for her time. She's... She doesn't follow the rules of their culture. She doesn't wear the dress that she's supposed to. So she has to be very careful 
with what she does in her life. And she sort of starts this secret love affair with Said, and it goes on. They spend time together amid the bombings and the horrors of the civil war that is unfolding around them. I mean, they decide, like many people in their country, that, that it's time to leave. They're going to flee the country. And a lot of the descriptions that I've read of the book after I read it, and also, like, even a little bit in the jacket, tell you how they leave. But I think it's so magical that I would not want to know. Like, I'm so glad that I, I hadn't heard anything when I read about it. So let's just say they leave their country, and now they are refugees in a strange land, and they're moving from place to place, trying to hold on to their identities and their culture and to each other, you know, amid all this, you know, poverty and, you know, they don't know where they're going to sleep and they don't know how they're going to eat and, like, or the language or where they are. My goodness, that was a very loud car. That was wrong. <laughs> was I here at my house? I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> is there maybe a motorcycle in your living room? Did a squirrel they, ride in on it? <laughs> Surprise, they leave by motorcycle. Um, no, <laughs> so um, it's just this book is so beautiful and lyrical and inventive. And I found myself holding my breath while I was reading it. It's so, so good. It's the perfect novel for dads or for anyone taking the next step. It's you know, basically for everyone. It's so fantastic. Again, it's called Exit West by Mohsin Hamid. I still haven't gotten there, but I'm going to read that <gasps> soon. I thought you had read it. I, no, it's like on my list, but I'm well, always I, behind I, and I don't read as fast as you do. And I just... <laughs> <laughs> Um, my next pick this week is for graduates. Um, dads could benefit from it too, but this is pretty solidly in the graduate wheelhouse. Um, I think especially for folks who are graduating from college and thinking about new adventures or maybe the high school graduates who are looking for some guidance, it's Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. I have talked about it on the show a couple of times. I really, really love this book. The genesis of it is that Shonda Rhimes, you're like creator of Grey's Anatomy and how to get away with murder and uh, what is the other one? Scandal, uh, like the inventor of Shondaland and just, you know, bonkers television empire woman realized that she was not living her life. Like she had all of this really unbelievable success, but she was saying no to all kinds of incredible opportunities that were presented to her. And her sister calls her out. Like, you know, you get invited to give these commencement addresses. You get invited to go to fancy parties. Uh, you never go do anything. And she realizes that it's because even though she's really successful, she's afraid and she doesn't trust herself and she doesn't know what's going to happen when she goes out in the world. And so to get over this and to feel, you know, more adventurous, to experience more of her life in an authentic way, she sets herself up for the year of yes, in which she has to say yes to basically any opportunity that is presented to her. And the book chronicles some of those opportunities, which like are not the same kinds of challenging opportunities that we normals have. Like I'm not getting invited to give the commencement speech at a fancy college. Um, but you can draw parallels in your own life um, from you know what these exciting opportunities might be that are exciting and also really scary. And she tells us about 
doing those, but more about what happens to her in the process. Once she says yes, once she lets herself go do these scary things and sort of lets go of her fear about them, how much bigger her life starts to feel. It's really inspiring. It's very candid. She gets right down into like why she wasn't saying yes to these things that were offered and what she learned about herself as she did. It's about bravery, um, stepping into the unknown. And I think all of these are things that I wish that I had gotten better at thinking about when I was a younger person than I am now. And so if you're shopping for a book for a graduate, this is a great kind of message to put in front of them while they're young and they have a ton of opportunities and interesting risks to take. And like, you don't need to have a solid plan for everything. P.S. It's never going to go that way anyway. Uh, So it's Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Do you know, I just learned that she wrote the script for Crossroads, the Britney Spears movie. Like I had no idea. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Also so long ago. I know. Well, though I know I I don't want to talk about how old we are with Britney Spears. (laughs) Um, Those are our new books and dads and grads recommendations for the week. What's next up on your stack? Uh, it is The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley. Um, Ooh. I, I wanted to I read love, it, wanted to read it. Oh, you love what? The Geek Feminist Revolution. Yeah. I like. I wanted to read this, and then I kind of forgot about it, and then someone was like, lesbians in space. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sold. That. I want that. And like John Scalzi says, in one word, badass. So, yeah, that's what also I'm going to do sold. Next. <laughs> Yeah. How about you? I'm going to read Goat Song by Brad Kessler. He is the goat farmer that I got to visit last week, and he's also a writer. Um, his novel Birds in Fall won the Dayton Literary Peace, Fri- Peace Prize, and Goat Song is a memoir about the first year of his and his uh, partner's life. I, I'm not sure if they're married or not. Um, I met her. Her name is Leah? I'm not positive. Uh, I met him. Uh, But they left their apartment in New York City to live on 75 acres in Vermont and raise Nubian goats. And this is about the first year of that. Uh, And he was really lovely. His farm was really lovely. And the book has really high praise. So I am really here for like a lyrical nature story about escaping the city. And then because I am me, when I went Uh, book shopping on vacation, I also picked up The Sound of a Wild Snail Eating by Elizabeth Tova Bailey, which is um, a a meditation, essentially. This woman is bedridden and sees a garden snail crawling across her uh, bedstand, her bedside table, and sort of meditates on watching the snail over the course of a day or two. Um, uh, That sounds lovely. I can't resist. Um, So I'm going to read probably both of those. Have myself a little uh, extended nature moment since I'm sad to be home from Vermont. I have read Goat Song. Oh, you have? Yep. It's great. Of course you have. (laughs) Yeah, this is New England. We're like five miles wide. All all the states fit in this little five-mile area. All the book people know each other. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I had a great time meeting the baby goats, and I'm here for a memoir about, you know, sort of making life simpler in some ways. Uh, So those are all of the books 
for the week. Thanks again to our sponsors, uh, Amazon Kindle, to the Battle Mage series by Taran Matharu, and Grand Central Publishing's Instant Book Club Sweepstakes. Make sure you click the link in the show notes to enter and win one of those seven titles. If you have a word to say to us, you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you would, please leave a rating or review on iTunes so that other folks can find the show. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.